Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, 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 good morning, baseball people. And you're not just baseball people this week. Oh, no, as the NFL draft has invaded all of our brains and head spaces. But it's inside the clubhouse with lots and lots of baseball and some football, too, this morning. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, Matt. I'm doing extremely well. And we have a a big show for you guys today. Uh, We always try to give you the top information in the game, what's going on, our ideas about what's happening in the game of baseball as well. And, of course, uh, the top guests, uh, Jim Leland, former manager of Detroit and Pittsburgh and uh, Hall of Famer of the future joining us. Hub Arkish will fill us in on the draft at 940 as he will begin his draft show with Mark Grody from 11 until 4 o'clock on the score. And then our big guest today is Scott Boris, the super agent, who has his own ideas about how baseball should be coming back. That'll be in the 10 o'clock hour. And we always appreciate you joining in as well at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711 as we get into some baseball conversation with you right now. And Matt, uh, interesting things uh, on the peripheral of uh, Major League Baseball this week. We heard from the White Sox, the Cubs about some of their plans. We heard from Rob Manfred. Where would you like to begin? Well, there's a, there's a lot going on. Really looking forward to hearing from Boris, and everybody will get the phrase functional isolationism um, into their head if they haven't had it already once we talk to huh. Scott. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's it, earlier in the week, Peter Gammon scared the hell out of a lot of us right here on the score with Mully and Haw when he talked about I think the way he put it was it's more likely there will be no baseball than there will be baseball. But then amidst the news uh, that you had about the MLB teams being paid through the end of May, the Cubs and the Sox will pay their staffers through the end of May. Amidst that, we had a, a quote from Rob Manfred. And the Rob Manfred quote was that he felt he, he, he felt very, very good about baseball happening this um, th- this particular year. So it's like some people will scare us and then some people think it's going to happen. I continue to think it's going to happen. 
So that, that's, I guess, where I want to start, Bruce, is the overall feeling. I think there is going to be baseball at some point this year. I think it's going to be much later in the summer than a lot of people have said. There are other stories to talk about for sure, but I, I'm a yes as to whether there will be baseball this year. Where are you? Well, I, I hope you're right. Uh, you know, Peter is the uh, sage of baseball, and uh, when Peter says something, he usually uh, it's based on uh, knowledge and uh, the idea of what's going on, not only with Major League Baseball, but what he sees in the world. So we all pay attention when uh, Peter Gammons has something to say. But from the perspective of, uh, you know, the health issue in the in this country right now, um, you know, if we, we do see these this peaking here that goes on with the... Uh, coronavirus and the idea that uh, there are will be some medications to help out. I think I'm encouraged along with you, Matt, that there will be baseball. And I agree with Rob Manfred that there will be baseball at some point. As, as to when it begins, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not going to go out there and start telling you it's uh, July 1st, it's July 15th, it's September 1st. Uh, mm-hmm. That type of conversation is just you know it's it's fool's gold right now we cannot get into that all we can tell you is chronologically uh the traveling secretaries for major league baseball teams are doing uh, their due diligence along with major league baseball to try and figure out uh what would be workable for those 30 clubs and how they prepare first and foremost for a second spring training it's unprecedented matt but you, you yeah. are going to have, before any season, a second spring training of uh, 30 days. And that's going to be uh, an absolute, according to the Commissioner Rob Manfred, that 30 days uh, before any type of season would be uh, approached, you will get the players ready again. So how do you get the pitchers? How do you get the hitters? How do you get the staffs all ready to go about uh, going back to Arizona and Florida and starting again a, a redo of spring training like the other one didn't exist because if you get to this point matt you're basically if you're the players right now you're basically in 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 late uh late december early january mode getting ready to move toward february and being right getting your bodies ready for spring training so you can't be you you cannot be john lester you cannot be uh chris bryant you cannot be lucas giolito you cannot be um um, Mancata and be game ready for the season today, tomorrow, or three weeks from now. You're going to have to have your body get retooled and get ready again, just like you did in spring training. There's no, there's, there's mm-hmm. no way you can train or be ready to start a baseball season without letting your body get baseball ready one more time. The, the quote from Rob Manfred um, in an email to a lot of staffers of MLB was, quote, I fully anticipate baseball will return this season. But, uh, but, but as you're saying, Bruce, it's going to take a while to ramp up. Don Cooper in the Sun-Times today, Gerald Van Schauen wrote a piece and, and talked to Coop, and Coop said he's got a bag packed upstairs. If somebody calls me in the morning, I can be there that night. <laughs> These guys are, are, are ready. But Coop says it would take about 25 days. In his, his opinion, 25 days of a, a spring training two electric boogaloo. That's mine, not his. Uh, but would, would, would need to take place. And, and, and we'll see. Of course, we cannot predict the specifics of it, but I've got a feeling it's, it's going to happen. Um, a, a remarkable 
remarkable time and moment here for a million things to be discussed and, and figured out, not the least of which is, is the money that season ticket holders have spent and spend every year with the ball clubs. And you had some news this week, Bruce, about what the Cubs and the Sox have uh, been communicating to their fans, to their season ticket holders. Yes, and I'll preface that, Matt, by saying that uh, a season ticket holder uh, has sued um, some teams at Major League Baseball for their money back uh, because uh, season ticket holders' money has not been returned to them for games that have been lost at this point because we don't know and the clubs don't know how many games, if any, are going to be played in the season in that particular city. So with that in mind, the Chicago White Sox and Cubs, among other teams, but I first reported uh, earlier in the week that the White Sox and the Cubs uh, will uh, now uh, honor those tickets by offering, um, offering them uh, 5% on their money that they're being held for games that aren't played through 2000, into 2021. In other words, if the Cubs play... Let's just throw a number out there, 25 home games. Uh, that means that for the, uh, the other 56, uh, the Cubs would, give, uh, would hold on to the season ticket holders' money, give them 5% on their money interest uh, until the 2021 starts. So that, that's an interesting concept that both teams are going to do. If they lose them, the games for the whole year uh, and they roll over, uh, their money to the clubs, then they'll get the 5% on the whole year up until 2021. So that's, that's one aspect of what's going on as far as the creativity of teams to not only um, respectfully handle the money that's uh, being held, but also mm -hmm. making an offer that uh, gives them some incentive to keep that money with the teams. Interesting. All right. Well, there's, there's, there's a detail that's got to be figured out amongst everything else that needs to be uh, figured out and the team's getting uh, a, a little more proactive in terms of talking uh, to their fans about it. It's inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. You can text us at 670-11. You can call us at 312-644-6767. Um, Bruce, I don't know if you have seen any, but the achievement of the NFL draft on television has been absolutely remarkable. And I bring it up because not only will it relate to baseball, but it will relate to anything that happens on a large scale on television, not just in this time, but maybe moving forward in terms of the ability and the capacity to do things from people's homes. Just absolutely incredible. The volume of cameras at people's homes, the, the different screens full of images that ESPN and NFL Network have collaborated on. It's been just an amazing thing to watch happen with very few technical hitches. And, and, and leave, it, leave it to the NFL. Leave it to the NFL to just go storming through uh, this moment in time and, and find a way to produce television of, uh, of, of this nature. It's, it's going to be something that every league um, will, will follow the template of in the future as they figure out how to do things on this scale. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating, as we were talking about in the, the pre-show, to, to hear that uh, you know, each of uh, the top 30 uh, possible draft picks have been sent kits with the uh, NFL logo in the background to put up, 
uh, with their own particular cameras to be able to use with hats from all 30 teams. In case they're drafted, they just pick one out and put it on as they're being interviewed. So the yep. NFL leaves uh, no stone unturned uh, when, when you're talking about marketing their team regardless. And especially during these hard times, uh, you know, doing the best possible television and best communication to their fans as they go forth with this. Yeah, 58, 58 draft picks sent all those kits like you're talking about with everything that they need. Now, if we could only figure out how to play sports like that or play music like that, uh, as, as, as I've been trying to work on that with bandmates and pals well, you know, as well. It's... Let's step it forward to June and see how, the ML, how MLB handles their draft and uh, yeah. how, how well uh, you know, they can use this template as well as their own imagination to create a draft that's going to be as interesting. Now, we know the Major League Baseball draft uh, doesn't compare to the NFL draft as far as uh, people's interest, but this year and now, you're going to have the full attention of all sports fans on the MLB draft because of the fact of no sports going on. Hopefully, by June, we have some idea about what's moving forward. Uh, teams may be already headed to or into spring training camps again. So uh, that dynamic is going to be interesting to watch as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 the draft, which has never been, um, you know, big big television for MLB, it's you know this might be all you get. Might be all you get for a little while. So you gotta gotta figure out a way to do that. Speaking of the draft, um, we have that story to discuss as well. What is happening with the miners? I'm trying to wrap my head around. Well, what what's going on there and what those negotiations are like as it looks like about 40 teams, 40 affiliates um, are going to be going away uh, per a deal that, that Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball have been talking about and discussing. Let's, let's, let's talk about that next when, uh, when we come back um, here at Bruce Levine. At, uh, but but the, the phone lines are open for folks if they want to hop in on anything baseball-related at 312-644-6767 and can certainly talk about um, what you've watched in terms of the NFL draft coverage. Hub Arkish coming up at 940 to talk Bears draft with us as well. Sounds good, man. And uh, right, well, let's go ahead. Yep, we will take a break and come right back on Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 to score. He's Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. Hey, Bruce, over at uh, baseballreference.com, they're simulating the games 
They're running simulations of the season using out-of-the-park baseball. And I just I I saw the standings right now. If you'd like to know how the simulated season is going, it's it's painful. I think the White Sox are doing well, though, aren't they? They are. They are. It's painful for both sides of, of town in different ways. Like the, the White Sox in the simulated games are 18 and nine, a half game back of the Cleveland Indians in the American League Central, and the Cubs are 10 and 16, dead last in the National League Central. So that's painful to think about that possibility. But yeah. it's painful to, for the White Sox fans to think about you, you would be you'd be uh, on top. You'd be half game back in the division in the midst of an exciting season at 18 and nine. Yeah, I think I'm also dating a supermodel in those um, <laughs> in the simulated games. I've been seen around those games, uh, and I'm doing quite well. But uh, you know, it is fun to, to to have any sort of baseball fantasy or otherwise at this point in time. But uh, you know, when we get back to the reality of the situation here, I think we have some callers that would. Want to uh, hop in and talk to us about season on, season off? Yeah, I, uh, although the simulated hot dogs are, are delicious at the ball games. <laughs> Do they have as any well. vegan simulated hot dogs? I need to know that. It, Bruce, it, it's simulated. They have everything. They have, they have everything okay. you could possibly need. Um, we're going to talk about minor league baseball cutting affiliates and the Red Sox sign stealing scandal as well. Hub Arkish coming up at 940 on the Bears draft so far. But yes, callers on Inside the Clubhouse right now, 312 644 This is Mark in St. Charles. Mark, you're on 670 to score with me and Bruce. What's going on, Mark? Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, I had a question on Chris Bryant. So if, if the season doesn't happen, does Chris Bryant lose yet another year of eligibility, or does he stay with the Cubs for an eighth season? And then thank you to all the, the frontliners. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, Mark. Thank you for that, and we agree with you. Matt, you go ahead and handle that. Well, yeah, service time is going to be accrued um, as as it normally would be. So, yeah, you're losing a year of control over all those guys, over Bryant, over Baez, over Rizzo, over over everybody. You're losing all of that if uh, if there is no baseball. Um, well, the, it, it, the more impactful part, Matt, is the fact mm-hmm. that uh, you, you, you lose that year, uh, but you also lose your leverage with the uh, players. So, right. I mean, you know, let's say that the season was a normal season in 2020 and the Cubs were competing for the first two months, but as of June, uh, they were six or seven games out behind two teams in their division. The decision would have to be made by Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer at that point, which of our big guys who are still a year away after this year from free agency do we consider trading, uh, knowing that we're not going to be able to sign everybody? And the fact is, is it Chris Bryant? Is it Schwarber? Is it uh, possibly um, Rizzo? Uh, can't, could it be... Uh, Javier Baez, which is, sounds like an improbability for sure. But nonetheless, you're, you're, you're faced with this real situation that as of November of 2020, you're a year away from losing all those players because they're not signed beyond that point. Right. So you, you've lost you've lost the leverage to try and sign them, the leverage to uh, try and trade them, all, right. all of that. Um, and And for the... The ones that are about to become free agents, they might never play. So Mookie Betts might never play a game for the Dodgers. What you saw in spring training might be all you get, Dodger fans, of Mookie Betts having traded away Alex Verdugo and more to make that happen. 
Yeah, and you have um, Verdugo and two young players that are going to be more impactful for the Red Sox. And as yep. you said, nothing, nothing from, uh, from from bets. But again, we get ahead of ourselves here, and we're hoping baseball is certainly on the plate sometime this summer. Let's go to Joe on the far northwest side. Joe, you're on 670 to score with Inside the Clubhouse. What do you say? Good morning, Bruce and Amanda. Join the show. You know, uh, because of this virus, you know, if and when the season begins seem to be the biggest words in the dictionary. But I realize the season's going to be altered, but I don't like it to be micro-altered. You know, I don't like the idea of seven-inning games or seven-inning doubleheaders. I would rather play less games with the traditional night innings. To me, seven games is going to affect, say, the, uh, the, the legitimacy in some of the stats. I mean, could you imagine a player with 17 home runs, 59 RBIs, and say he's batting 260, winning the Triple Crown? Or say there's a pitcher. He pitches 90 innings this year, and he's going to be a 20-game winner. It sounds extreme, but nonetheless yeah. possible. But, you know, personally, I don't like this Cactus League or this Grapefruit League concept. You know, I mean, to me, the way it sounds like a cactus or grapefruit league, you know, just add some cherries and some water instead of calling it the World Series, call it the Punch Bowl. But I think MLB needs to do it right, even if you've got to shut the season down this year. Maybe they should take a song out of the Beatles' playbook and say just let it be and just wait till 2021. But, Bruce, thank you, and Matt, thank you very much. Enjoy the show. All right. Thank you, thank Joe. You. Joe, uh, Joe you know, came the with mon- stick. Yeah. He was packed well, you know, ready uh, Monetizing the game is essential. Monetizing our world, Matt, is essential. Uh, getting people back to work, getting jobs back, getting the, the way of life that we knew uh, before this last six or seven weeks. And uh, baseball will follow suit uh, with everything else that happens here. It, it's just a, another business that has to get back. And if they can put together a 60 to 100 game season, uh, I, I know you, you and I have talked about it at length. And, uh, you know, some baseball would be better than none. Some monetizing the game to be able to... Uh, pay the players and also the the people who work at the ballparks to be able to mm-hmm. have them there if there are fans uh, you know there there are a lot of jobs at stake uh, out there that we're we're interested in getting for people other than just the baseball players themselves yeah and there's a, a massive financial component obviously for all those jobs and to get the games uh, on the broadcast so even if games with no fans um, could get on to broadcast, then you'd have some bills paid. I, I continue to think that that the goal is going to end up being a full postseason. How can we, as MLB, from their perspective, they'll be thinking, how can we get ourselves a full postseason with postseason revenue um, from broadcast, from advertisers, even if it ends up going late and going through Thanksgiving, like Joe Madden was talking about, or Christmas, as Scott Boris has referenced. That feels crazy to consider, but it might be. But but I think they're going to end up doing whatever they have to do to get that full postseason and maybe the expanded postseason in this very strange year. And if that means you end up with a plan of 40 games, 50 games of a season before you get to that postseason, to me, that's worth it. And I think MLB is going to end up saying that that is worth it just to get that full postseason. Yeah, I don't know what that would look like, Matt. Uh, I mean, I just don't, you know, first of all, you have 40, 50 games. How, how do you even set a pitching rotation for 40 or 50 games? How do you how do you prepare for that? Um, how do you prepare awards for a 40 or 50 game season? How do you, uh, how do you get uh, fan interest to peak at a time when the NFL is going to be taking off uh, for 40 or 50 games if you're starting that late? Uh, that's, uh, you know, you're, you're going head to head with the NFL and the beginning of hockey and 
basketball. So yep. from all of that, uh, you have you you're, you are certainly up against it if you're if you're going to a shortened season of only 40 or 50 games and you're going into let's say Thanksgiving for your postseason. Yeah, it, it, it could be a super packed and competitive and very, very strange um, fall. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens when we, when we get there. Hey, hey, Bruce, I've mentioned this a couple of times that minor league baseball is is going to be cutting 40 affiliates in 2021. This according to the Associated Press a couple of days ago that they're going to agree to Major League Baseball's proposal to cut guaranteed affiliations from 160 to 120. And we had heard some of this brought up a little bit less than a year ago. But what has happened is that the virus and the impact it has had on the minor league teams has weakened their resolve to fight and battle with MLB. And MLB could be going even further in terms of taking over some of the way, some of the duties of the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues, which is the minor league governing body, and in a way that MLB has wanted to. Um, but this is this is going to be very, very impactful to a lot of small businesses, a lot of employees in these minor league towns. And it's sad to see some of these going away. But But has there been some inefficiency in the way that the minor leagues have been doing things as far as, as the majors is concerned. Yeah, well, I, I think I, so. I think there's a, there's two things going on here, Matt. Uh, one is the facilities and the upkeep of certain uh, minor league franchises are not up to what major league baseball uh, front offices and ownership uh, want. And number two uh, is the fact that um, they, they feel that uh, there is a surplus of minor league teams because if you consider uh, all the players that come through the minor leagues and the players that make it to the major leagues, uh, they, they feel there's there's spending going on out there in development that can be done in a different way. So if you if you eliminate uh, a rookie ball team uh, from the uh, the mix and you take that rookie ball team that's maybe in Ogden, Utah, take those players and you put them in your spring training facility. So then, yep. then you have them playing against other teams, young players who have just been signed or are still in the very early development stages of their game and play there. Uh, th- then you're, you're, you're eliminating, uh, you know, hel- helping those minor league clubs with the upkeep, with the player money involved, and also uh, facilities that they feel are inadequate for their players to be learning under and training in. Uh, therefore, they have the state of the art in their own spring training headquarters. So th- that's a that's a way they can go here. Also, eliminating a Class A team. Almost every team, I believe every team, has two Class A teams. Uh, yeah. Maybe just combining, you know, combining Class A and then finding places for some of those A players who are not necessarily uh, up to that level and and send them back to your spring training facility. So. I think there's there's ways to save money. Uh, the clubs are certainly interested in saving money, but also uh, not having their 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 young players in sub conditions of what they want them as far as training and facilities available to them while they're learning to play the game. Yeah, the MLB proposal, Bruce, would have each franchise have four full season farm teams, a rookie level club at its minor league complex, like you're talking about, Mm -hmm. and then prospects in the Dominican summer league. 
and some franchises would cut their U.S.-based affiliates from seven to five. And, you know, there are more negotiations to go on here, but it, it seems that, you know, the, my, the miners have, uh, they're not able to fight it in the way that perhaps they wanted to because their seasons are almost uniformly going to not exist um, at this point. We'll, we'll have to see what's what's going to happen. That That's not official or anything. I mean, I know the Cape Cod League canceled their entire season, yeah. um, but but the minor leagues, are a lot of them are going to lose their in, entire seasons uh, at this point. So they'll, they'll have to figure out exactly, uh, you know, a new way to deal with MLB. And MLB is going to get a lot of what they wanted out of these negotiations. This hour is brought to you on the score by 90northshomburg.com. It is inside the clubhouse, Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine as we broadcast from the Hyundai Studios right here on 670 to score. Bruce, um, the Red Sox got off pretty darn easy, it seems. Um, your feelings on the Red Sox punishment, they have, you know, really it's the same suspension for Alex Cora that A.J. Hinch got, that Jeff Lunau got, and we'll see, you know, whether he comes back, whether he will be hireable again. The video replay system operator for the Red Sox um, was was let go. J.T. Watkins was the Red Sox video replay system operator. So he's been he's been suspended without pay and he cannot work in the same capacity for 21. And they lost a second round draft pick. Seems like the Red Sox got off pretty easy. Your thoughts? Well, I think everybody was looking for blood here, Matt. Um, you know, and Cora was not suspended uh, because of his actions with the Red Sox, of course. It was right. because he was a coach with the Houston Astros. So that was part of that. If, if he wasn't fired from his, uh, from, or if he wasn't suspended for that, uh, arguably he could still be the, the Boston Red Sox manager uh, because there was no punishment there. But uh, th- that aside, you, you, have to, you have to look at this and say Major League Baseball once again gave immunity to the players that they talked to and they talked about a minor usage of uh, these uh, replays that uh, Watkins was using and that it, it wasn't widespread and that there was no knowledge of the front office. There was no very little knowledge of the coaching staff, that this was more between the players and this particular uh, you know, video consultant. So uh, he, he bears the uh, burden of handling, getting all the... Uh, all the negativity out of this by being fired from his position. And uh, the second round draft pick is just a slap on the wrist saying, well, it did happen under your watch, so you have to be punished somehow. I I think, uh, you know, I I just think that people expected something more here, Matt, because Cora went to the Red Sox. And therefore, why wouldn't Cora bring with his playbook to the Red Sox that works so well in Houston? I think that's that's at the very core of uh, yes. this conversation is, well, how, how could he not be so successful there with uh, this cheating process and not bring it with him to Boston? So I think that leaves people scratching their head a little bit here. Yeah, so it, it, it suddenly Cora, who was a mastermind of the situation down in Houston, is a guy who did not effectively communicate to Red Sox players the sign-stealing rules that were in place for the 2018 season. So Cora didn't lead it in Boston, 
but he was a mastermind of it in Houston. It feels incongruous. Um, and, and the fact that they did not even get like the token $5 million fine. So yeah, I, I think MLB is just kind of hoping this will slide away in the face of much bigger news and much bigger fish to fry. And they're probably right. They're probably yeah, right I'm, that it's going to slide away into uh, obsolescence here. Look, if you have a big broom and a rug, I think that's <laughs> it's been swept under that. Uh, because I, I don't think baseball has any room for negativity right now, Matt. I think that's another part of it. I'm not saying that they didn't do the right thing. Uh, I'm sure they did. But, but let's say people believe in the conspiracy theory that they didn't. Uh, there, there's no more room for second-guessing baseball or negativity right now in MLB, considering what, what everyone's going through and how they're just trying to get the sport back on the field. So from all of that, uh, you know, people believe that uh, Boston was uh, given a, uh, a pass on this. And if that's the case, uh, so be it. But again, players were given immunity again. as of After 2001, when they started a new CBA and they're working forward, uh, the commissioner is going to have to have a, a tighter grip on being able to punish players who are caught cheating. That's going to have to be a part of that new collective bargaining agreement going toward the future, I believe, uh, just to uh, give fans and, and people who uh, care about the game a better idea that uh, you know there is control over cheating. Yeah, absolutely. That, that kind of stuff and some new rules to safeguard against this stuff coming back in the future. Um, right. I mean, it's, it's like you're going to have to find ways to, to to keep this from from taking place and and keep fans feeling like there is some sense of integrity here within the game. Yep, absolutely. Hey, we're going to uh, talk uh, with Hub Arkish, who's doing our draft show with Mark Grody starting at 11 from 11 till four on the score after we're off the air. He'll be joining us next, talk about the two uh, second-round picks and what's in the future for the Bears here during the rest of the day. Yeah, Cole Komet uh, could be a hell of a pitcher. He was a hell of a pitcher. He could have had an MLB career. Him and Kyle Long, if Kyle Long was still a Bear, boy, you'd be talking about a pretty good pitching staff down along the offensive line. Um, But that's probably not what we'll focus on with Hub as we figure out what the Bears have gotten and what they still might do today. NFL draft coverage in the midst of Inside the Clubhouse is next on 670 The Score. I can't wait. I'm just really excited. I'm not going to really worry about that stuff. I know that you know, the Bears fans, they want a winner because I know that because I am one. And, um, I, you know, I'm excited to go out there and, you know, put my best foot forward in order to, order to get wins on, uh, on the schedule. That is a kid who grew up in Arlington Heights. Pretty, pretty good power hitter and pitcher in high school, as well as a tight end. Then goes to Notre Dame, ends up focusing on tight end, and is now a Chicago Bear. Uh, Bruce Levine, quite a day for that kid and uh, somebody we should talk about right now with our next guest. Absolutely, as we uh, bring in Hub Arkish, who will be doing a draft show right here on The Score after we get off the air at 11 o'clock with Mark Grody from 11 until 4. Hub will be uh, talking in the 5th through the 7th round. Hub, thanks for taking some time out today. How are you? I am hanging in there. Good to be with you guys. Uh, And guys, I'm going to stay with the theme of your show before we get to the draft. When I talked to Cole at the Combine last month, told me his fastball was hitting about 95 miles per hour, even though he decided to, to give it up and go for football. So, uh, uh, yeah, Speaks is absolutely right. Uh, the, the kid could throw. 
Yeah, a, a lefty who threw from a weird angle hub and fastball would sometimes get up to 93-95 and a nasty curveball. They were talking about him as a two-pitch, you know, closer. And uh, But apparently, huge bombs he was hitting in batting practice uh, at, at times. And he, wor- he worked out with Jim Tomey and the White Sox at one point. But that's... That, that's that's neither here nor there. What, what, what kind of tight end is he, uh, Hub, and and how will he fit into what Matt Nagy has always wanted to do here? Well, you know, honestly, Matt, he is not probably quite as developed as a football player and a tight end yet as he is a baseball player. And, and I think some mm-hmm. of that is, you know, we start much earlier with baseball. We play a lot longer before we get to organized tackle football activities. Uh, he has played, uh, you know, three years at Notre Dame uh, and played in high school, but 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 the focus wasn't really there. Uh, he indicated that that one of the you know big motivations for him to choose football over baseball, of course, is Dad Frank was a Chicago Bear defensive lineman uh, back in the early '90s, uh, and I think once he kept growing and realized, uh, you know, the opportunity that he had, uh, it all came together to make him choose football. He's a high ceiling kid. He's not a bad football player right now uh but not a ton of production at notre dame uh you know really i think less than 20 catches his first two seasons uh had 43 catches uh last year in spite of missing two games six touchdowns uh he has the ability to be a very good blocker he's not a bad blocker um but the best thing about him right now is that he is a true y tight end and that's the thing that's missing on the bears roster uh, you know there there may be a future for a jesper horstead uh, you know jp Olson, Ben Broniker are nice swing guys, threes and fours, but they don't have that starting Y, and they brought in Jimmy Graham, who's not really even a tight end, let's be honest about it. He's in a tight end's body, but this guy's a receiver who sometimes lines up in tight end positions. Uh, Demetrius Harris, who they also signed as a free agent. You're talking about a kid uh, who was a basketball player in college. He's been in the league five, uh, six years now, I guess, actually. Um, but 6'7", 230, not going to be that good inline blocker. So this is a redo. There's no other way to spin it. This is exactly what they were trying to do when they drafted Adam Shaheen three years ago. They've now acknowledged the miss there. Um, but Komet was a consensus number one tight end in this draft. It's not it's not quite the quality tight end group that we've seen the last couple of years with, with multiple first-round prospects, uh, but he was the best prospect in this draft. He does need some work. He's a developmental prospect, but he does have a very high ceiling, and, and so uh, you are going to hear some of the comparisons. Probably when you talk about the top three tight ends in the game right now, you're talking about Travis Kelsey, uh, you're talking about Zach Ertz, you're talking about George Kittle. Uh, the comp I heard the most was George Kittle because he does have that that nastiness and that want to. He loves to run people over. He likes to block. Um, so now that's the ceiling. But but guys, he's he's not there yet. This is going to take a little while. Hub, uh, how are the feet and how is the, uh, the speed compared to other tight ends uh, when he gets into the open field? You know, Bruce, honestly, it's good but not great. Uh, he, he clocked 4.71, I believe, at the 40. Uh, you know, 4.7 is really nice. It's, it's very nice for, for a kid who's a legitimate 6.6, 255, 260. Um, but but the, the, the elite guys, the, the, the Kelseys, you know, the Ertzes, you can get them in the 4.6s. Um, he's not going to be a huge seam splitter, uh, although he will make some big plays. Uh, he's got more than enough speed 
you know, but that's that's not his. When you look at the the, the the tight end prospects where you get excited about that, that's what O.J. Howard was coming out of Alabama. He's never played up to that uh, in the NFL. Uh, I'm trying to think of any of the other more recent prospects. Evan Ingram in New York can run 4-6. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not quite there, uh, but he has more than enough speed for the Y position to be a really effective, productive receiver as well as a blocker. Before we talk about the other pick, um, Jalen Johnson, the corner out of Utah, um, now that they've got Graham, who is not a Y, and they have Cole Komet, who they think is going to be a Y-style tight end, will we see both of them a lot? Well, And I guess that's 12 personnel is the technical way to discuss it, right, Hub? Will we see a lot more 12 personnel, you think, from Matt Nagy than he's done in the past? Because I think Kansas City and Philly – have historically run that more than the Bears have been able to run it. Yeah, the the 12 and the 22 and the 12 is is the is the most common that you're going to see in the Bears offense with the the two tight ends, uh, you know, one in line and then the other one moving around. This is what I said about Graham a, a minute ago, though, and this is what got lost. Bears fans upset. You know, this is a guy 33 years old who's a five-time Pro Bowler but was not overly productive in Seattle or Green Bay after leaving New Orleans. But the reason is New Orleans never really used him as a tight end. They didn't even ask him to block. They just moved him around in different receiver positions. They tried to make him a Y in Seattle and Green Bay, and that wasn't going to happen. So I'm not saying that this is a great signing because you can't ignore the lack of production the last couple of years. Um, but he does still have – now, he's got the elite speed. He's even bigger. I mean, Graham is 6'7", 265. Um, so, yes, you're going to see a bunch of two tight ends. I'll tell you something else you're going to see. These guys are going to be a red zone nightmare matchup for anybody they, they face because they're also going to have a package where they can literally make Graham a flanked receiver, put Allen Robinson on the other side, and then your two tight ends could be conceivably Cole Komet and Demetrius Harris. So now you're going to be 6'4", 6'7", 6'6", and 6'6", in the red zone. Who's going to defend that? You know, so it's just it's impossible to match up. Uh, you know, you can't do it every play. It gives them lots of options. And, and the thing about Jimmy Graham that is interesting is now if you do have a true tight end, uh, a two Y tight end in Cole Komet, you can line Graham up anywhere. You know, you can make him the U tight end. Uh, you can put him in the slot. You can flank him outside. He did a lot of that in New Orleans. So there may be a way to make him more productive. And when you look at the Kansas City offense, what they did with Kelsey and Demetrius Harris when he was there. Uh, you look at Philadelphia in the Super Bowl with Zach Ertz and Trey Burton on the field. Having that really flexible you, if you will, which is where Graham belongs, uh, that's why getting the why to allow them to use him that way was so important. Jalen uh, Johnson, the cornerback, uh, drafted. What were the, the Bears' philosophy going in here as far as looking at their their cornerbacks and their safeties? And what was the a disconnect for them with the group that they had last year. Why, why Johnson at this pick? You know, Bruce, this is actually the more exciting pick in terms of value. I, I, I mean, there's nothing but excitement about getting the hometown kid and Cole Komet and getting the best tight end available. Um, but Jalen Johnson w- was a pretty much consensus, unanimous first-round draft choice. Uh, uh, we had him ranked the third-best corner in the draft and the 24th-best player overall. And, in wow. fact, when the Bears... 
when the Bears picked at 50, uh, you also had Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, who was the number five cornerback and also a first-rounder, although about seven spots back on the best available athlete list behind Johnson. So, um, I, I, you know, I think that Ryan Pace was being straight with us when they talked about best available athlete. Most GMs say that in terms of who you draft, no matter where you are. But it usually is best available athlete or football player within a range of our three or four greatest needs. And so the Bears come in thinking their greatest needs are, are both safety and cornerback tight end and then you can debate whether you know offensive line uh they they certainly you know need another running back not as great a need as the other three so now they're sitting there at 50 and and you know you could have looked at an offensive lineman there were some good ones there wide receiver the other big need there were some excellent wide receivers um, but now you've got two cornerbacks with first-round grades on them. The safeties in this draft, there were some nice safeties. There were some good complementary safeties um, to Eddie Jackson, which was the problem with Haha Clinton Dix last year. It's not that he didn't play well. He actually played very well. But him and Clinton Dix were the same player, and, and, and so it took away some of the effectiveness of Eddie Jackson. So, um, you know, when they looked at Johnson, he was absolutely the best player available at any position on the draft board, and to get this kid at 50 is a steal. Now, the reason, of course, you've probably heard about the three shoulder surgeries, but two of them are well in the past. He's played since. Um, and, and even with the three shoulder surgeries, he missed one game in three years at Utah. Um, this one was a torn labrum that he suffered in the first game of the season last year. He went to the combine hoping to be able to work, just realized he couldn't work to full capacity. So he had an arthroscopic procedure the week after the combine. And you, you can't even do a medical at this point because we all know what happened starting about the week after the combine. Everything locked down. You can't even get into the doctors for elective procedures. The Bears could, certainly couldn't get their doctors on them like other teams. Um, but they've talked to the surgeon. They, uh, he has been examined by several uh, uh, physicians uh, near his home. I forget exactly where he is. He appears to be ahead of schedule. Um, you can't ignore a defensive back with three shoulder surgeries. It is going to bother you, but it certainly didn't keep him from being an All-American at Utah, and, and that is the reason, though, that he did slip out of the first round. His father was a defense, was a corner. His brother was a corner. So this is, uh, he comes from a family of cornerbacks and ready to go. Um, uh, Hub, uh, you and Mark Grody will be on at 11. Looking forward to that. 11 to 4. The Bears have five picks, but none until the fifth round. You think Ryan Pace might get itchy and trade up today? I wouldn't be terribly surprised now because you, you've addressed two of, I believe, your, your three greatest needs coming in with the best prospect available in each area. And so now they are looking to add, you know, more than one or two players. I mean, you still do want to add a wide receiver, maybe two. You want to add a running back. You want to continue to create competition at the offensive line. And and you do want to find a safety uh, if you can. But, you know, none of those are are screaming needs. And so if they see another high-value guy in the fourth round, uh, you know, possibly a wide receiver or a safety, I could see them packaging two or three of those picks. I'm doing this from memory, but I think they're at 160, 196, uh, 203, 227, 230, something like that. So they're all in a Mm -hmm. bunch, uh, you know, and it is a possibility. Uh, Now, on the other hand, they may be happy with, you know, you look at all the free agents they've they've added, they may feel that they've created, 
you know all the competition they need so maybe quantity is good hoping that you find one or two additional you know potential roster makers out of these five picks but but Matt I I do think you're on to something there I, I got a hunch now as we get started today I believe uh, we start at 11 on the air and I think they start picking at 11 um, uh, if they see a guy they've had all night to think about it and so now you've got this fourth round they know they got to wait 60 picks or I think 56 picks until they get to make one I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we see them moving up to grab one more guy maybe use two or three of those in a package and maybe still have a six and a seventh left later in the day. <clears throat> Hub will be you, uh, Hub. listening. Yeah, Hub, appreciate it very much. We'll be listening to you and Mark Grody at 11 all the way till 4 o'clock talking the Bears draft and everything NFL. I know it's going to be a, a fun time. Thanks for taking some time with us on Inside the Clubhouse today. All right, good to be with you guys. Everybody stay safe out there. You got it. That's Hub Arkish, the score zone, and he and Mark Grody will be on from 11 to 4. Yeah, 56 picks. Ryan Pace will have to wait unless he gets itchy, which he has been known to do in the past. Big hour of baseball guests coming up on Inside the Clubhouse next before Hub and Grody take you back to football. And Jim Leland, the Hall of Fame manager, and uh, Scott Boris, the super agent. Those guys will both be on the show next hour, Bruce. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. It's 670 the score inside the clubhouse. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.